You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Podcast Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, February 3rd. As always, I'm your host, with sometimes occasionally the most, Javier Reyes. That's right. That's my name. I almost messed up there. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Javipedio, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres for fully Padres-centric content, or subscribe to the YouTube if you want to see my ugly mug at Locked On Padres. Audio listeners, a link to it is in the description. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is a nice little fun one. Nice little fun one. Probably not too deep of an episode. Probably not a long episode. Granted, I usually talk a whole lot, uh, so we'll see how this all pans out. But going to be going over um, a survey that was done in The Athletic by Dennis Lynn uh, a week or so ago. And I talked about this episode on a previous episode, I should say, about all the other questions that were gone over in this survey, such as how did you feel about the Bob Melvin hiring? At what grade would you give um, AJ Preller's tenure with the Padres since 2020? You know, do you think Manny Machado would get traded? All those type of questions. So you could go back and listen to that. That was a lot of fun. But today we're going to be focusing exclusively on the two questions that were about what Padre fans would like to see the most uh, added to the team when it comes to batting and when it comes to pitching. And I thought that these were some really interesting results. And just to talk about them because they are the biggest candidates. So I felt like let 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 the jobster give his take on all of them. Um, and some of them I've talked about before. So, you know, maybe the, some of these might not come as a big surprise to you. But nonetheless, I still think it's going to be fun. Let's get right into it. Right. Let's get into it. And let's start. Actually, I kind of want to start with pitching. Actually, I know that sounds a little bit weird, but I do want to start with pitching because pitching is the area that I uh, I wrote for Just Baseball. By the way, I forgot to mention at the top of this. Uh, I wrote for Just Baseball a few months ago about you know where I view the Padres pitching situation, and I kind of did it based on DefCons, and I gave them a DefCon uh, two saying that yeah maybe they could use another arm, but they're not in full dire need of one necessarily because they have Mike Clevenger coming back, and you have hopefully Adrian Morahone potentially coming back at some point, and you hopefully have Blake Snell and you Darvish and. Uh, Denelson Lament, maybe they can have bounce back season. So I didn't feel like they were in that DEFCON 4, they need a starting pitcher right now sort of thing. Um, but nonetheless, it was still important to to kind of talk about it. And I will say that I've actually grown even more in the sense of saying I don't think that they need a starting pitcher. Now, they have added some people like Nick Martinez, who I got a little bit of flack out of a YouTube comment, by the way. I love your guys' YouTube comments, but someone was like dragging me for saying Nick Martinez might not be good, which was very odd, uh, considering that his tenure in Major League Baseball, not in Japan, was kind of a lackluster. But anyway, I think we should go over these guys. I think we should go over these guys really quickly. Says you get one wish. Among pitchers, which trade candidate would you most like to see the Padres add? The top answer, not by a large margin, but basically a considerable margin, was Luis Castillo with a 35.2% chance. Number two being Josh Hader at 26.2%, Sean Manaya at 18.3%, Chris Bassett 8.3%, Sonny Gray 7.7%, Frankie Montas at 3.8%, and other at 0.5%. I am actually a little bit more of the camp of the other. I feel like that there are some cheap options that you could have acquired, especially by the time that the survey was done, that I think would have made sense for the team. But let's get into it. Okay, so Luis Castillo, I did an episode on him a little bit while ago. 
And basically what I concluded was, I just, I actually don't think the Reds are having as much of a trade fire sale as people think. I just, I just don't see it. I know that they didn't run and re-sign Wade Miley, but you have club control on Luis Castillo for a few more years. And most importantly, I know that he had like a down season in the very basic metrics last year, like his ERA and whatnot, but a little bit unlucky, you know what I'm saying? And it's just, I don't know, his combination of pitches are really good, uh, and I just don't see... Uh, the Reds necessarily trading him. And the to trade for him anyway, man, guys, we can't have it all. You know what I'm saying? You can't tell me that you want to get rid of the Padres' first baseman and then you also want to trade for Luis Castillo or Matt Olson or... And, and then you also want to sign Chris Bryant. Like, there's there, there comes a point where you have to realize the Padres are in a very precarious situation. Not the worst situation in baseball, for sure. But there's certainly a situation where they don't have as much leg room to move anymore. Um, leg room to move, to move anymore. Oh, God. It's a it's quite the day for me so far. Um, you know, whether it be the farm system that just doesn't have nearly as many assets as it used to. Although it's still... Still got its strong points for sure. We shouldn't give up hope. And the fact that basically when you look at their roster, considering how much they're paying the Padres first baseman, considering how much they're paying Myers, and then the players who have been productive, like your Manny Machado, like your Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, all of that money, they you know exceed the luxury tax hold. And if they were to sign certain people, like a Nick Castellanos, who we'll get into later, they would have to give up some some draft picks, and they'd have to give up some of their international signing money. So they are in a dangerous position when it comes to roster maneuverability, unless they're able to move that Padres uh, first baseman. So whether or not that happens, let's exclude that for a second. Although I do believe that if we're expecting quite literally any of the moves we're going to talk about, any of the players we're going to talk about, if you want them to be on the team for the Padres this year, I do kind of believe that you would have to move uh, the Padres first baseman somewhere. That I think that's the only way that it becomes somewhat feasible. You know what I'm saying? But Again, Luis Castillo is very good. Uh, he had a very good season with the Reds, but I think that it would cost a little bit too much prospect capital, and it would put the Padres in even more of a dangerous position. Hey, we just did this last year. We just traded for Blake Snell. We just traded for Darvish and Musgrove. It's okay. You got your rotation intact. Now, granted, this question wasn't, do you want to trade for Luis Castillo? The question was, out of all of the people, who would you want? You know what I'm saying? So that's pretty fair. When it comes to the rest of the guys on the list, I actually find this a little bit interesting, is that there's a lot of uh, Oakland A's pitchers that I do believe they are the team that's fire selling. I really do. Um, I think they're going to trade Matt Olson. I know it hasn't happened yet, but that that seems... I just, I'm just i buying more into the, the A's selling than I am the Reds selling. The Reds don't have quite the same means. I know that they're losing Castellanos and they lost Wade Miley, but they still got some stuff there, and I think that they've got some interesting prospects that they think are going to take over, right? And the same thing can be said about Sonny Gray. Um, but with the with the A's, I mean, this is what the A's do. They're really good for like three years. And all you need to do is side one free agent. Ownership refuses to do that. And then they have to tear it all down again because they can't afford to repay a Donaldson or, you know, from back in the day. Or they don't want to pay for Cespedes. Or in this case, they don't want to pay for a Matt Olson who's going to be a free agent in a few years. Or they don't want to pay Matt Chapman, all these guys. So they're saying, we got to get out. Starling Marte just left. I could see it. And I actually think that Sean Manea might be one of the more underrated pitchers in baseball. I mean, I had him on my fantasy team last year, and he was pretty damn solid. I mean, just looking at, you know, his peripherals, his basic peripherals, he would have those games every now and then where he would get extremely lit up. But in 2021, 3.91 ERA across 179 innings pitched and was able to strike out 194 batters, 41 walks, not bad. Even Brutus had a decent walk rate. So he wasn't too bad. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, he could have those starts where he got absolutely lit up. But when he was on, 
Great mix of pitches, great location. I like Shamanaya. But again, how much is it going to cost? If you could get them on a bargain, that would make sense. Uh, but it would probably require moving, which was recently reported, by the way. Um, I forgot from where I don't have it in front of me that Chris Paddock was a person that was mentioned in trade talks at the deadline last year with other teams that they were shopping him around or that could have been a thing. So unless you give up a current Padres starter like a Chris Paddock or probably someone who has a little bit more value, I bet you, like Orion Weathers is what teams would be more interested in, then I could maybe see Sean Mania, but in general, I probably don't. But before we get into uh, a little bit more on this, I'm already nine minutes in. See, I said this was going to be a short episode. It's not going to be a short episode. It never is. I I can't stop talking, guys. I just can't. I don't know what to do. Uh, but anyway, guys, you know what I can tell you is a definite how good built Bars are, guys. They are the best protein bars in all the land. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit... If you could see on the YouTube, I uh, I need to work on that, you know what I'm saying? Uh, or eating healthier. Make sure you include Built Bars in your plan. They taste like candy bars, and they're even better than candy bars. Yeah, seriously. I've tried them. They're really, really good. Covered in 100% chocolate. Uh, soft and easy to chew, man. And like I said, healthier for you. Check out the macros. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. That's right, guys. You are killing it. Trust me. Look, look. If, if you, if you want to eat healthier and you want that little sweet, you got a sweet tooth urge, check out the Bilt Bars, man. And if you might be worried... Oh, man, but I mean, like, I just, I'm so used to the flavors of Odecaran bars. Don't worry. They've got a great variety of flavors with things like peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, apple almond crisp, my personal favorite, cherry barcia, my mother's, Mama Reyes's personal favorite, or coconut brownie chunk, the personal favorite of the Locked On MLB Network. Uh, we all adore that thing, let me tell you guys. And because you're listening to this podcast, I got a deal for you get a nice deal for you. If you go to built.com, you can use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Thank you as always, guys. Again, must reiterate, for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Let's keep it going. I thought I was going to talk about pitches really quickly, but let's continue a little bit more on the guys that the Padres were most, uh, Padres fans, I said, voted on being most interested in. Chris Bassett was another one. I think a little bit similar to Sean Manaya, except Sean Manaya is a little bit more proven. Although Chris Bassett, he did have that horrific kind of injury, if everybody remembers that, when he got hit by the ball. I haven't checked on his recovery in that um, area. Hopefully he's doing all right. And then Frankie Montez, kind of same thing. Although he, he was a little, not... Not like the Jesus Lazardo thing with the A's last year, where he was just a total... He was brought in, and I mean this by, like, everybody was super high on him. I remember him going in, like, the fifth round in fantasy baseball drafts and stuff like that, and he just became a reliever very quickly. It fell off, and then he got traded to the Marlins for um, Starling Marte. I think... Um, this is a little bit different. Frankie Montas, if you want to look at his kind of numbers from this past year, if I could find them, that would be lovely. He had a 3.37 ERA in 187 innings and struck out 207 batters. So he came through on his hype for sure. 57 walks, so a little bit higher of a walk rate, but nonetheless, very, very good. My question is, though, is... I actually think he would be uh, the A's would be a lot less inclined to trade for him considering his age. I just don't really uh, don't really see it. I think that he has the upside of being a superstar pitcher. While they might view Manaya, Sean Manaya, I can't say that the pitching repertoire is the same. 
It's a little bit of a deep cut for you guys, but it reminds me a little bit of like a Danny Salazar. You know what I mean? A solid pitcher who's going to be solid for like two years. You know what I mean? And then I see it going off by the wayside. I'm not saying this is like the next Tyson Ross to give you guys a Padres comparison, but I'm just saying, I think that that Shamanai is really good, but you know, I, I just, I worry about how much all of this is going to cost guys. I don't know what the maneuverability is, but if they did do a trade for this guy, and they sent over a paddock, even if they sent over someone like a Denelson Lamette, I know that sounds a little bit crazy, I would kind of understand it. Maybe you attach a back-end top 10 prospect, maybe like Gabriel Angeles, somebody like that, or Uribe Angeles, my apologies, um, you know, who was like the number nine Padres prospect. That might not seem too bad. I could actually kind of get that. Maybe you send a little bit of a package. And again, when we're talking about trade packages, I always mention this on shows. This is just the assumed value, all right? There's so many times when we think that it's going to cost a lot to trade for a player, and then it actually ends up not costing all that much because teams have different views. They don't log on to Baseball America, and that's how they evaluate their players, right? It might cost less. Teams might settle, right? We don't know exactly. There's a lot of things that go into this, so I'm only assuming what it would cost for Luis Castillo. If they came out tomorrow and all they had to give up was Chris Paddock and um, Uribe Angeles and Ethan Elliott... That wouldn't surprise me, you know what I'm saying? Just because of how baseball works, where there's so many teams that just don't seem all that interested in winning sometimes, uh, you know what I'm saying? Um, but anyway, guys, the last thing I want to talk about with pitchers is Josh Hader, who has been attached to the Padres and Padres fans for what feels like a century, to be honest with you. Um, I don't see it. I don't see it whatsoever, uh, this making a sense for the Padres. His velocity literally was like making jumps uh, this past year. And don't get me wrong, Dennis Lynn talked about this too. They do have an interesting uh, kind of decision to make with their closer position with Drew Pomeranz recovering from, let me see, a torn flexor tendon that ended a season in August. Um, Emilio Pagan, Robert Suarez, who they acquired from, um, what's it called, when, who they acquired from Japan, uh, those are probably the top guys that they're expected to be for that closer role, but we don't know. Might might be Denelson Lamette even, although Bob Melvin has expressed wanting to use him maybe in a multi-inning role. Same thing like last year. We'll have to see, I, which I think makes sense. I think they still want to see if this guy can be a starter. If not, maybe he could be a wipe, wipe out a Dylan Batances type closer where I know Dylan Batances isn't good anymore, but this guy that could go like two innings and be an amazing setup, man. I mean, it's... Worse things. There are worse outcomes for Janelson Lamette than him being an, a wipeout uh, bullpen guy for like two innings. So that's not bad, but there are a little bit of questions there, and there are some kind of lower end options. I think that would make a lot more sense instead of trading a lot of prospect capital for um, Josh Hader for a Brewers team that, by the way, I think has made some solid moves in the offseason, some quiet moves, and I don't think they're going anywhere. I think they're still going to compete. I think they're still hoping for Christian Yelich, too, to kind of explode and be bouncing back to his MVP form, maybe take them all the way. They got Corbin Burns. They got that three-headed monster. They're not trading one of their best assets right now. I just don't see that. I don't think that they're... I just don't see it. They're not in Oakland A's. I don't think they're burning it down. Um, but some guys, Brad Hand, Chris Martin, Archie Bradley, Adam Adovino, which is an interesting name, Sergio Romo. Yeah, that's how far down we're getting here. Yuzmira Petit, Michael Givens, Sean Doolittle, Pedro Strap, Richard Rodriguez, and Tyler Clippard. Richard Rodriguez was good for a time last year. I know the Braves traded for him and it wasn't as good and he doesn't strike out that many people. But hey, neither did Mark Melanson. So maybe he's kind of a buy low guy. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we poached Mark Melanson from Atlanta heading into this 20. 21 season so maybe he makes sense so that's how i feel about the pitching uh kind of options here guys but now i want to talk to you all about the batters i know 
not as smooth a transition as I've ever had, but let's still talk about them, right? Let's start first by saying who were the top percentage people. You get one wish. Among hitters, which free agent or trade candidate would you most like to see the Padres add? Okay. All right. Drum roll, please. Because I really think that nobody should be surprised that everybody's been interested in Luis Castillo. That guy's a beast. Um, number one, with 31.3% of the vote, is Matt Olson. Matt Olson. I wonder why. Could it be because there's a little bit of dissatisfaction with a guy who posted a zero F4 last year? The Padres' first baseman? That's probably why. Number two, Chris Bryant with 23%. Number Three, Nick Castellanos with 21%. Number four, which I was a little bit surprised that he was number four, to be honest with you. Seiya Suzuki, the Japan Nightbone superstar uh, that has been killing it and unfortunately couldn't can't talk with teams right now. <laughs> and he's actually really funny. I recommend everyone going to check out the athletic piece uh, that they did on him a little bit while ago. It was a really great profile kind of piece talking about him. There's a really funny picture of him like going like this to keep his mouth shut when asked about which team he wants to sign with. Really funny guy, and I think a really crazy competitor. He models himself after Mike Trout. Really cool stuff, so go check that out. Brian Reynolds, number five, with 6.1% of the vote. Number seven, which I thought was interesting, Kyle Schwerber with 5.8% of the vote. Then Nelson Cruz with 2.2% of the vote, and Other with 1.5% of the vote. I might be in the Other camp because I like Michael Conforto a whole lot, which I have been talking about for a long time. I even did an episode with Locked On Mets superstar diva, diva host, Ryan Finkelstein. I'm kidding about the last part. Uh, Ryan's a really nice guy. Um, you guys can go check that out. Where we talked about Conforto, uh, among other things. Um, my first reaction to this is, you know, I, I think it makes sense for you to want Matt Olson. I mean, he was an MVP guy. If not for Vlad Jr. last year, he's probably viewed as the best first baseman in baseball, dare I say. I mean, he was really, really good. Let me just pull up some of his stats right now if I can get them. Um, this past season, I mean, Vlad, obviously. Uh, was incredible last year, but at first base, let's see what Matt Olson did this past year. He finally like super broke through. The potential had been there for a while, but 270, 371, 540 slash line, which is incredible. He knocked 31 bombs, walked 88 times as compared to only 113 strikeouts. Uh, he was just awesome. I mean, if you want to look at the RBI total, he hit 111. He was great. He was hitting the ball hard. Even if his swing annoys me, the way he holds the, the bat like it's some... Some person who's picking up a samurai sword for the first time. I don't know. Uh, it's just not. Uh, I, I just hate that freaking swing so much, man. Uh, but he's really, really good. I do think, though, that it could cost a lot to acquire him. But before we talk a little bit more about all those type of moves and how much it would take to acquire someone like Matt Olson, guys, let me quickly talk to you about betting. That's right, man. Betting's important. You know, everybody's going to be talking about the Super Bowl and whatnot. All right. But you know who's got you covered the best? You know who it is? Oh, yeah. You know who it is. It's betonline.net, guys. There might be less football being played, but betonline.net has way more stuff to help making your betting life and playoff season just a, a, a dream, just a sensation, everybody, from scores, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. Also, they got your favorite Vegas casino games. You know, you a blackjack fella? Maybe a rummy 500 person? Or, I don't think that's a Vegas casino game. That shows you how much I know about Vegas casino games. It was just a card game that I remember playing with my sister like 10 years ago. It was really fun, and I was actually pretty good at it. Um... 
But guys, they do have you covered in your traditional Vegas casino games. So what are you waiting for? Bet online is perfect for all your betting sports action. Bet online where the game starts. As always, guys, thank you for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. Uh, continuing my thoughts on some of the free agent acquisitions that Padres fans and trade acquisitions that the Padres are most interested in. We talked about Matt Olson, and I will say, I just talked about how he's an MVP guy. He's got player control, or uh, what's it called? Um, yeah, he's got club control, I should say, is the, the right term for that. I just think that there are other teams that can offer more. Um, don't get me wrong. This move would be awesome, uh, but I think the move for the Padres is actually just to get rid of their current first baseman, and that would be a win. That is how poor he's played in his tenure with the Padres. I mentioned on Twitter a few weeks ago that if you took just Will Myers' second season at first base, he had two defensive runs saved, and if you take the if you average out uh, the Padres' current first baseman, I'm trying so hard not to say his name, the Padres' first baseman's uh, tenure with defensive runs saved, it's a negative five. That's insane. That's insane. That's insane. The only time he was positive was in 2020 in a shortened, you know, kind of season where he didn't have to make as many mistakes, I guess you could say, when when we all had hope that maybe the launch angle stuff was going to go through. Granted, defensive run save does not necessarily mean that Will Myers was a great first baseman. Uh, I actually don't think he was, although he did have a season where he had eight defensive runs saved. Um, outs above average is a little bit of a metric that compares you just as a base defender. Defensive run saved is a little bit more, from what I understand, something that judges you versus every other first baseman versus how good overall and how much value you're providing as a defender, how good you are. First base is a little bit tough to judge, admittedly. But if anybody watched the guy last year, Current Padres first baseman, you could just watch him and you're like, what the heck is that guy doing? Um, the Hassan Kim play comes to mind. But anyway, back to Matt Olson. It would be a great acquisition for sure. I just don't know if the Padres can do it. Chris Bryant, I will say this about Chris Bryant. He was a guy that everybody was like, the best days are just out. The best days are gone. Now, is that true? Yeah, to a degree. I don't think he's got that MVP stature necessarily left in him. But everybody was just out. And when you looked at Chris Bryant's numbers, it was like he had one down season in 2020 and his on-base percentage was always above like 350, 360. Like he'd always been a very good player. So it was very weird to me, which is why I made a big investment in him in fantasy baseball this year. And it paid dividends. Let me tell you, shout out Chris Bryant taking me to the chip. Not really. I actually don't know if I won in my one league. Did I? No, I didn't. But what I will say about Chris Bryant that I think a lot of people like about him is the positional versatility. The fact that you could plug him in left field third base all sorts of places if you need him for the dh next year which is most surely coming to the national league that's very good too you would have him as a bat that's probably where a lot of his value is coming from and unlike say jorge alfaro chris bryant isn't it's not that he's a great defender but he can legitimately kind of play these other positions he might be a minus but it's like a little minus you know what i mean it's not like a nick castellanos minus right it's not a guy who actively will be a liability with his defense right instead he can legitimately kind of you can put him in multiple positions which would be helpful for the padres whenever they need to you know move him around the diamond and what have you and have a nice left fielder so the positional versatility is very nice maybe if you need to give machado a day off that would be very good uh, although as we all know Mr. No Hustle. Man, which I don't take any days off, man. Third most games played since 2017. That's right, everybody. Shout out Manny Machado. Um, but yeah, I know he's a Boris client, so that probably entails a large contact for Chris Bryant. 
Again, I just don't see it. This is another move that I don't see unless the Padres are able to get rid of their first baseman and maybe even a pitcher or a, a, a Will Myers contract, maybe, even though Will Myers is an expiring contract. So that one doesn't necessarily, he's a little bit more enticing to teams, potentially if he does well, you know, if heading into the trade deadline, if he's doing what he did in 2020, maybe he's hitting like 270. He's got a 350 on base. I could see a contender trading for him just for a rental. That could absolutely happen. Otherwise, uh, it makes a little bit more sense to just keep him. You might as well because you don't have too much outfield depth, so you're going to need someone to play out there, right? So, you know, Robert Hassel ain't ready. You know what I'm saying? So that makes uh, uh, sense to me. Talked about Nick Castellanos already. The guy that I fear the most reportedly looking for that seven, eight-year deal makes sense. The guy's really good, but I will say with his slugging and stuff, I do recommend everyone checking out, though. Arm Layton did a good piece over at Just Baseball talking about uh, his home road splits, whether or not Nick Castellanos was just good at Great American Ballpark, and whether or not his power and batting will translate to other places, which is concerning, considering he's not a good defender, whether or not he would still have value, and the answer might surprise you, so I would definitely look into that, but I don't know, man, I'm just not feeling it. Seiya Suzuki is easily the... One that if the Padres were to make a splash, this would make sense. Um, his agency, Seiya Suzuki's, they put him in touch with a lot of people. They're still rehearsing and stuff like that. They talked about this in the athletic piece. Some contacts they put him in touch with include you, Darvish. So maybe they might have a chance to swing things. But overall, he's looking like the next big star, man. He looks like he's the next big star coming from Japan. They think that he's going to be the next biggest star we've had from Japan since Hideki Matsui or on that kind of level. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, we got Otani too, which by the way, that MLB The Show cover is so badass. I'm not talking about the default one, which is also very good, where it shows the silhouettes of him pitching and batting. I'm talking about that MVP edition that was designed by a manga artist, I'm pretty sure, a Japanese anime artist, uh, which was awesome. It's like him holding... It looks like the cover of a video game. Sekiro Shadows Die Thrice. You know what I'm saying? Darksiders 4. Right? Uh, World of Warcraft. Like It looks so badass to the point where I'm like... I don't really buy MLB The Show that much anymore. I'm going to now because it's a little bit more, there's some work value for it. But, uh, man, uh, it just looks sick, man. Everybody go look up that MVP edition. It is the coolest thing I think I've ever seen. And I know this might sound sacrilegious. I know. I think that's the best MLB The Show cover of all time. Specifically, the M MVP edition of MLB 2022 The Show. I think so. I know that sounds sacrilegious because of Tatis's last year. Tatis is either number one or two. If you count the MVP edition, you know, that's what it is. But the Tatis bat flip, just the swagger with it, the, the blue stripes and a little bit of them almost graf graffiti inspired. That's what it kind of looks like. If I'm not mistaken, let me look that up real quick. MLB 21, the show. Hold on. I know this is a side tangent, but my apologies, guys. I have to look at this. Yeah. Um, no, not a graffiti thing, but it's got... Like, the signature, yeah, it's it just looks really sick. You guys, I don't know how to explain it, but it's got, like, an alternative little bit of a background art with the blue stripe and whatnot to it. But anyway, uh, moving on, guys. Um, Seiya Suzuki, apparently the deal that people are saying he might get is maybe a five-year $60 million. That is definitely something the Padres could potentially stomach. Um, but... The counter to that is that a lot of teams know this. So a lot of teams might be like, you know what? We're giving you six years 100 or seven years 100, right? We're ready to just buy in now. Everybody knows about Sia Suzuki. This isn't an underrated free agent. Granted, front offices know about everybody, but you kind of get what I'm saying. I think a lot of teams are going to be in on him. He's been referenced to Boston a whole lot. I just don't think the Padres will be able to attach themselves to this one. And based on what happened um, 
This past season with Hassan Kim, granted coming from the KBO League, which is different, and I don't want to assume that they're all the same thing, but the idea of a player, an international signing player, coming over to the league and maybe having to adjust, considering the lockout, we might not have as much spring training time uh, and everything to get acclimated. You know, that's that's a good point. Like, the spring training might actually be helpful for someone like Sia Suzuki to catch up to Major League Baseball velocity and what have you. And if the Pirates are in win-now mode, which I think they are, that that might be a reason to be like, I don't know if they necessarily want to sign him. I imagine they're interested, but I don't think that's going to happen. Brian Reynolds, another one that's not going to happen. He's young, turned into a stud last year. The Pirates are rebuilding, and they've got one of the best farm systems, if not the best farm system in baseball, depending on who you ask. Uh, they're not trading him. They probably think he's going to be a focal point of the team. When you're rebuilding and you get a young star, you don't just trade him just because you're still rebuilding. Does it make sense? This is the guy that you're hoping your prospects turn into. So I'm not seeing Brian Reynolds going anywhere. Kyle Schwarber? I like it. I like Kyle Schwarber, actually. If you're just looking for pure power and you're looking at bargain bin compared to what you it would cost to get some of these other players, I think Kyle Schwarber could actually be really helpful. I know he got hurt last year when he got traded to Boston, but if you look at him versus Anthony Rizzo, very quietly, he was better and more productive than Anthony Rizzo. So I actually see that absolutely as an option for the Padres. I also, by the way, could see Anthony Rizzo. If you give him kind of a decent deal, not too much money, it would just admittedly be kind of nostalgic and being like, ah, we brought him back, the guy that we never should have traded in the first place. Although, as I talked about for long-time listeners, not the worst Padres trade in team history. At least I don't think. I, I, I don't think so. I know that it turned out really poorly. But in fairness, Andrew Kachner was a really highly beloved prospect at the time. And he did have one. His first good season was with the Padres. Like, he had a good year. So everybody just assumed he was going to get better. And then we all know how that panned out. But last player on here, Nelson Cruz. A player that the Padres were interested in at the deadline so much. They loved his leadership stuff and what have you. Um, heading into the deadline uh, for sure. What am I saying? I'm forgetting what I said. <laughs> I'm forgetting what I was going to say. Um, heading into the trade deadline, they liked him so much that they were willing to trot him out at first base for the first time in his career, even if they didn't have the National League DH. Granted, he's super old, and his OPS for the uh, Rays when he got traded over there was 725, so he wasn't that effective, but still 13 home runs in 55 games, might have a little bit left, and I don't think he's going to cost that much, so maybe you can kind of convince him to a one-year deal to be the Padres DH. Not a bad option either. Not a long-term commitment. You can move, you can, you know, potentially move uh, on to the season after if it doesn't work out. But granted, like I said, the fact that he can only play the DH does mean it would limit you and your ability to move and mix and match and kind of put guys. At least someone like Schorber could at least play the outfield if needed to. But you guys get my point. And yeah, that's basically it. That's basically it, guys. Again, I know that this podcast, this episode, probably doesn't have as many answers that Padres fans would like to hear, right? That there isn't as many moves for the team to make. That coming off of years in which A.J. Preller either would be at the deadline or in free agency was making splashes left and right from the current Padres first baseman or Manny Machado. Or even if you want to look at the trade deadline, like I said, even when he gave away players like Fran Mil Reyes and Hunter Renfro, like there was always something that this man was up to. And then all the moves from 2020, uh, you know, Trent Grisham and all these guys and Tommy Pham. So he's definitely up to some stuff. Best believe it. It's going to be a lot happening, man. And we got a long time before this lockout. 
from what it sounds like. But even still, uh, guys, don't give up hope. Just because the Padres can't immediately rectify and maneuver and sign a big superstar does not mean that they're doomed. You know what I'm saying? They can still turn this around. They can still right the ship if they make a couple right moves. And there's still a lot of stuff to be excited about. C.J. Abrams is a top five prospect, according to basically everybody. Keith Law just ranked him in his number five spot for top 100 prospects. He's going to be a stud probably. Maybe he'll play second base. Maybe he'll move to short. Who knows what he's going to do, but he's going to be awesome, right? You still at least have hope in Mackenzie Gore. You got Luis Campizano as a catching prospect. And hopefully, guys like Trent Grisham and maybe even guys like Hassan Kim will bounce back and have better years. It's not inconceivable, guys. They've been making a lot of role changes and player development changes. New manager, obviously, Bob Melvin. There's still a lot to be excited about. And I know that I've been saying at the end of basically every podcast lately to be excited. I know. I know. You might be getting tired of it, and you might be a little bit more cynical than me. But still, guys, you just you got to keep the faith, man. you got to keep the faith. And with that all being said, guys... We're about done with today's podcast, but before we close it out, let me just tell you, you made Locked On Padres your first listen. Now go make Locked On Bets your second listen, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs, hosted by your boy Q with analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast, guys. In terms of the future of this podcast, um, I actually, because we talked about a lot of A's, uh, stuff might have locked on A's host Jason Burke on when he gets back from his sort of uh, parental leave, maybe to talk about some of the A's uh, pitchers and what it would cost to get them. That could be in the future. Also, going to be going over Zips projections for the Padres, um, mock trade proposals that were sent in the Athletic. Want to give my thoughts on those and Dennis Lynn's thoughts, um, and a whole bunch of other things. Let me look at my little old document here. What do we got here? Uh. Uh, whether the Padres should trade some certain players, um, talking about fictional baseball players, um, talking about the lockout, obviously. There's so much stuff that we're going to be talking about, guys. So keep it here, guys. And with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever your podcast from Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever. Wherever you go, all right? I don't have to say them all over again. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres, or Lockdown Padres on YouTube. And until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies, take care.